there's that whole idea of stop looking to be inspired and be inspirational yourself. Woo, hold on, hold on. Pause, pause. Run that back one more time. Stop looking to be inspired. Hmm. Be inspirational hmm. yourself. Today, Tribe, we have Kevin Carroll, founder of Kevin Carroll Catalyst LLC and the author of three highly successful books, including my personal favorite. Now, listen to this, Red Rubber Ball. You got to go get it. Red Rubber Ball is a book that reminds us of the importance of play and perseverance. I have recommended this book to hundreds of people. Go and get it. Let's listen to Kevin Carroll. Welcome to the tribe, Kevin Carroll, man. It's been too long to finally get you in the mix. How are you? I'm doing well, Dan. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Everything is fantastic, and I'm excited to be able to share my voice and, and chop it up a little bit with you. Let me ask you this now. Let's say, let's say I go back in time in 11th grade for you, Kevin, and pull you out of class and ask you, Kevin, what do you want to be when you grow up? What was the answer oh, was, back in the last grade? I was confused. I was, I was going to be a PR manager for a bank. Wait, that was what? My plan. Yeah. <laughs> Who says that, that in 11th grade, man? Yeah, I know. Wait, <laughs> PR manager for a bank because I wanted to be around money, right? And I figured the people who were closest to the money were the ones making the messages. So I'm thinking, that's it right there. Of course, you know, I had my, my little side thing of I'm gonna be in the league one day, right? Yeah. I didn't know I was vertic I didn't know I was vertically challenged. I didn't have an idea that was gonna be something that could get in the way. But yeah, so when I literally I was thinking, Okay, I'll I'll do something with with when talking and I wanna be around money. Okay. So what is that? That's Oh, and they probably do PR at a bank. So that's what I remember going my freshman year of college. That was the thing I said. They said, what do you want to do? PR, PR uh, person for a bank. And did they look at you twice like, what the hell? Like, where did you even come up with that? That's exactly <laughs> what they said. Where did you come up? I, and that was my explanation. Aren't those the people closest to the money? I don't know. I just think, that, yeah, because I used to. So when I would ride public transportation, the people who were dressed the nicest mm. were bankers in my mind. And so I would look at them with this level of respect, like, man, I want to be suited like that every day. And mm. I always envisioned they were going into the banks because I'd watch the people going in and out of the banks. They were dressed. So I'm like, OK, so I could be suited and respected like that and ride the subway or the train, the trolley and look like I want that. Mm. But my briefcase. Yeah, that's what I want. Take us back to Philly, raised by your grandparents. You talk about sort of seeing those folks in suits and, and like, man, you know, that's that's the kind of life I want to live. What was it like for you as a youngster? It's so interesting, the the, the word they use, a juxtaposition, whatever you want to call it. But yeah. the, the, the reality of how I was living was we were a family that lived on the other side of the tracks who were, you know, very, very, you know, barely you know, making it. My grandparents were doing the best they could. My grandmother passes away when I'm 10. So my grandfather's raising three boys on his own, his daughter's kids. And we lived on the other side of the track. So we went to a, a public school that basically had private school level money um, outside of Philadelphia, Haverford Township. And that school, I used to call it a public private school because we had our own radio station, swimming pool, all this stuff. 
but there were only out of 2,500 students from 10th grade to 12th grade, there were only 50 students of color in the whole school. Hmm. So they saw your address. They knew where you were from. They funneled you to vocational tech because you're going to be a laborer. You're going to be someone who's going to be working for the township cutting grass. You're going to be you're not going to be a college person. That's hmm. what they had already labeled you from your address. Hmm. So when I would ride the subway or ride the trolley, I would be on there with architects and lawyers and bankers, but they weren't me. Hmm. And I would look at that and say, I want that. I can do that. And so my best friend's mom actually changed my whole trajectory because I took the vocational tech thing because I'm like, well, I can still play ball and I get out of school half a day. Shoot, I'm taking that. (laughs) And she saw my schedule for 10th grade and said, no, you go back and tell them your college prep. And I had a big conversation, almost an argument like what Miss Lane and I'm trying to convince her why this is good for me. Right. Half a day of school, playing ball. This is going to be great. She says, no, you are college prep. You go tell them. And then she said they tried to do the same thing to me. I went to that school, too. They see your address and they think that's all you're going to be as a laborer. Mm. you go back and tell them and they have to give you a chance. They're going to tell you they don't think you can do it. And you tell them, let me worry about it. Okay. So let me, you know what? Mrs. Lane was her name. Lane. Yeah. Ms. Ms. Lane. Yeah. Well, it was never Mrs. Lane. It was never Miss Lane. It was always M I Z Ms. Lane. Miss Lane. Right? Yeah. Ms. Yeah. Miss yeah, Miss Lane. <laughs> Lane. Lane. So, so with Miss Lane, let me ask you this, like without that intervention, Oh. Tell us what you think your trajectory would have been. I would have been on the back of the garbage truck or driving the large lawnmower um, Mm. for the township, or I would have been taking care of somebody's estate, Mm. you know, because we lived in a very wealthy area. At that point, um, one third of the nation's wealth was on the main line of Philadelphia, and that's where I lived. But we lived in day help houses. We lived in the houses of the workers, the laborers who took care of the estates and the wealthy people. That would have been it. There wouldn't have been any more. And Miss Lane, my best friend's mom, intervened and it shifted everything. <laughs> and because of that moment, all the other things really had a chance. And she stayed around and held me accountable for anything that I started having big dreams about. So she would say, why not? And then I'm going to check to see what you did with that idea. (laughs) So I learned about accountability at basically the age of nine when I met Miss Lane. But as I got older, she raised the stakes. And I, you know, I always say that because of her, I became a serial manifester of my dreams. I learned how to turn (laughs) ideas into reality because Miss Lane was all about that action. She was about it. You need to don't be a talker, be a doer. And she was the accountability partner before accountability partners kind of became sexy. I mean, she was she was like, hey, listen, oh. you, you told me this, Kevin. Now, where are you today on this on this goal you have? Oh, yeah. And because I always came over to their house, I couldn't hide. So she knew I'd come by because her son and I were were, you know, best friends. So I was going to be there all the time. And then the relationship transcended her son and I and Miss Lane and I became best friends. So I was over there even if he wasn't around. So it became really clear to her that I was different. I wasn't like the other kids in the neighborhood. I wasn't even like my brothers. My brothers had the same access and didn't come over there like that. 
So she said there was something unique about me. And we, you know, had many, she passed away two years ago at 83, 84 years old, but, you know, we never lost touch. Hmm. I mean, I stayed in touch with her from the age of nine, almost 50 years we were connected. And Norman got killed in a car accident at 26. And I came back, I was in the military, came back to support them. And I said, don't you worry, Miss Lane, I'm going to make you really proud. Hmm. And she said, you're really our son now. Wow. And that was the new relationship, if you will, that I was going to let them see the fruit of their labor, right? Their energy and investment in me. And from that point on, dude, I mean, it was it was lit, as they like to say, right? It was on. <laughs> and it was crazy what happened from that point on. And she would just sit there and marvel and say, you know, isn't it interesting? The little boy that used to sit here between my legs and I comb your hair out or, you know, braid your hair for you. And we'd have our talks hmm. about what's possible. And looky, looky. <laughs> so, man, you know, yeah. for all the folks in the tribe out there, the Ms. Lanes that it we seems all like, need a Ms. Lane. We That's all need I a Ms. Lane. Yeah, we do. We and for it. those people who she don't have CEO, one. My yeah. CEO. Oh, you can find them. She yeah. was my CEO, my chief encouragement officer of my dreams, hmm. right? That's what I called her, my CEO. We all need an encourager like that, but not someone who just gasses you up and hypes you, somebody that holds you accountable for your ideas, hmm. your hopes, your aspirations. And you have to find that person. It really starts with respect, someone you respect. And it might not be someone def- necessarily in your family. It could be an extended family member. It could be a teacher. It could be a librarian. It could be a custodian, but someone you respect their points of view. And they also give back respect to you because of how you're carrying yourself. Hmm. Wow. Wow. The decision to go to the Air Force. Tell us. That was that was that was once again. Right. Listen, I, I, I always uh, I'm very clear that uh, that I was no angel and I made mistakes and choices and consequences. And so my then girlfriend got pregnant. I was in college at the time thinking about what am I going to do? How am I going to support them? I come home for a holiday break and I'm like, man, I'm working at this toy store, like a Toys R Us back in the day. And I'm hustling, right? Doing stuff I ain't got no business doing, right? I got a little side hustle. I'm like taking toys and selling them on the, on the KC market, right? In the neighborhood (laughs) and stuff. So I'm just, you know, I'm doing what I need to do, right? To have you know, more money and take care of. And I'm like, this is not me. Mm. I'm not going to get swept up in this. I can already see what's going to happen, that this is my trajectory. No, I got up on Monday morning. I didn't tell anyone, went down to the, um, the military recruiting station, walked by every branch. So I got to the Air Force because my uncle was in the Air Force. And I remembered his uniform. And I said, I like that uniform. Let me go find that place. <laughs> that was the reason. It wasn't out of patriotic duty or anything. It was, I need to get out of here. Wow. And I, um, I went and told them what will get me out of here the fastest. They thought I was in trouble. I said, I'm not in any trouble. I just need to go. And I took the test, scored high. They were quick to um, sign me up. And I was gone within 10 days. That quickly? Wait, wait. And I got married in the middle of that. Because my <laughs> grandfather said, you can't go <laughs> and not handle your business. Yeah, yeah. And, he's, and, it's, and it's his world, right? This is his generation. You handle your business, 
what are you going to do? You need to do the right thing. You need to do right by her. So you need to get married. So I had a shotgun wedding and I go in the military. I'm 20 years old. Wow. I'm on, I'm on a plane for the first time to San Antonio, Texas. First time ever on a plane was when I joined the air force. Man. Yeah. And my world, once again, think about all the, you know, quote unquote serendipity, right? Coincidences, but all these things start piecing together this journey for me, right? Meeting a Miss Lane, right? Going to college prep, being in college, but then having a son, deciding I don't want to be back in the neighborhood. I'm going to join the Air Force. Oh, you can get me in, but I need to do that. I'll do it. I got to be married? No problem. Get married. I'm on a plane. I'm gone. Then I'm in basic training. They say, hey, you got a language ability. I said, no, I don't. I dropped Spanish after five minutes in high school. They said, nope. You pass this test, you should learn languages. Well, I'm your property, U.S. government. You just tell me what I need to do. And I end up having this language ability. And I learned five languages, Serbian, Croatian, Russian, German, and Czech. I'm a language translator for 10 years in the Air Force. And I have a top secret clearance. I work at NSA, travel the world, teach Czech my last four years at Angelo State University. Hold on, Kevin. Hold on now. Hold on. Listen now. I- I'm telling you. I'm telling you. This is the same kid, though, sitting there listening to Miss Lane and seeing these guys on the subway with these suits and thinking, "Mm, I need to be the PR guy for a bank. Yes. Now you're 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 fluent in five languages. You're interpreting for the U.S. government. I mean, even when you look back on it in retrospect now, I mean, can you believe the way that these? No, no, no. I, so, you know, there's a, a few terms. God winks, right? Joseph Campbell talks about invisible hands guiding you when you're on your path. Hmm. Um, he's amazing, um, you know, just a researcher, anthropologist around storytelling and the power of myth and how, you know, when you are on your path, he says invisible hands guide you and nudge you towards your destiny. Hmm. And I think that's a lot of what you're seeing in my journey, right? Are these God winks, me paying attention to signs and symbols, the alchemist, um, Joseph Campbell, the power of myth, and Miss Lane, you know, basically reminding me, right, that you got a little different stuff with you. Hmm. So you need to look at things a little differently. And maybe it's not going to be like everybody else. And, you know, maybe you should be paying attention more. You know, the one thing she said, you know, pay attention to your intention, she would say that to me a lot. And so what's your intention behind that? What do you want to get out of that? What, why did you do that? And so I think that whole kind of crazy formula of things has fed into the journey. Ultimately, I think that whole being a PR and banking was about influence, hmm. right, and respect. And so that's what I was really chasing. It wasn't necessarily that clear title. It was that that purpose and that way that people viewed you and viewed me with respect hmm. and that I had influence. Hmm. And I think that's really at the foundation of all of this is that I wanted people not to judge me because of my address or the color of my skin, but what I brought to the table and, you know, to have some influence. How am I throwing the rope back over? How am I having influence on others? Because people had to feed into me. People had to pour into me. People had to support me. So how am I doing my part now? Pay attention to your intention, Miss Lane. 
Yeah, come on now. Come Woo! on now. That's nothing but truth. She was Instagram nothing before there was truth. Instagram. Oh, come on. She was she was way ahead of it. She was she was she was Amazon.com before there was Amazon. She was doing recommendations and suggestions. Right? She was giving you all that. I recommend this for you. This lady was all about the recommendations. Yeah, man. Man, tell me this. It. So yes. when do the hoop dreams morph into, you know, you eventually become the head athletic trainer for the Philadelphia 76ers. When do those hoop dreams kind of morph into this other role within the world of basketball? It was, you know, when I got out of the military, I thought I was going to stay in the Air Force for 20 years. I wanted to get to the Air Force Academy to be an athletic trainer. I got my degree in athletic training through Angelo State University and thought I was going to be able to stay in the Air Force 10 more years, but the military didn't want to let me do that because of my top secret clearance and my languages. So I got out. There's a whole more detail to that, but I got out and I moved back to Philadelphia, going through divorce, trying to get um, custody of my sons. And Miss Lane is there supporting me through that process. And I get a high school athletic trainer position and then at a private school hmm. in Philly that I used to sneak in as a kid, right, to put hoops up, right, to put shots up in the wintertime. I end up becoming the head athletic trainer at that school, first athletic, first faculty member of color in the history of that school, 1990, a school that's literally blocks away from where I grew up. But we were never going to go to that school because it was so elite. So I end up getting that job. Then that turns into another private school that's co-ed that my sons can go to. And so I take that job the second year I'm out of the service. And, oh, by the way, that happens to be across the street from St. Joseph's University in Philly. They have a basketball program that they're, you know, well-known nationally for, right? have had great All-Americans play there, blah, 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 blah. Oh, the assistant athletic trainer job just opened up because the head athletic trainer just moved up. I said, oh, I'm going to try to get that because then my boys can go to college for free. This is my thinking, not about the position. What can I avail to my sons? And so then I go to that. One thing leads to another. I'm connecting with the athletic director in a real way because I worked with his daughter at summer camp two years ago, blah, 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 blah. They offer me the head job in three years after getting out of the military for a <laughs> Division One basketball program. Oh, that's where the Sixers practice. <laughs> So let's talk a little more about God winks and invisible hands. Mm. So now I'm the head athletic trainer at St. Joe's University helping the Sixers out during the day. But I'm not thinking about the NBA because I'm at this college and my kids can go for free. This is good. The head athletic trainer is leaving. He said, I recommended you for the job. You should talk to the head coach. The head coach comes in and says, Kevin, do you want this role, I'm like, I'm not really sure. He says, well, I want you to interview. And that's John Lucas, who's down there in Houston, <laughs> Texas. Yeah. And so I interview, and I end up getting that job. Hold on, man. Five hold, years. Hold on, hold on. In hold on. five years, <laughs> in five years, Darren, in five years, I went from a high school to college to only the third African-American head athletic trainer in the history of the NBA for my hometown team, the Philadelphia 76ers. Okay. Okay, though. So, how do you explain that? You know, here's the thing, and, and and listening to your story, man, okay, so many things. One, I always think about levels, right? So, based on where you where you come from, what you see, you're thinking, man, I go to 
if I'm going to be the athletic trainer at this university, hey, my kid can go to St. Joseph's for free. Yes. The other level is that you don't even see yet, right? No. <laughs> you don't even know what it's is nope. that. Hey, actually, there's an NBA team that practices in the same facility. Forget about the free tuition at the high school. You could you could be you said the third black yeah, I, head yeah. athletic trainer in the National Basketball Association. Yeah. Not even dawning on me. <laughs> nope. Not even not not. No clue, no awareness, n- just no thought about it. I want to zero in on something because you said that the, the athletic trainer who was leaving said, hey, I'm recommending you for the job. Talk to the students out there, college students. You know, I teach about 300 a year. What do you think were some of the attributes that made him believe that you could have done that job? I think first and foremost, he got to see me doing the craft right he saw me working with these college level athletes so he saw me every day he saw how i ran my my training room he saw my presence he saw how i got along with people he saw how i brought a level of professionalism Um, but also i think he saw the way that i connected with others relationships Hmm. and when he was paying attention to that he said wow he can be sitting with the college athletes cutting up and doing that, but then he can be sitting with, you know, me and and one of my top level multi-million dollar athletes and talking to us about, you know, training regimens and rehab protocols. And then he can be standing there next to one of our assistant coaches or the head coach and just talking about life stuff. Hmm. Hmm. I'm watching this, his ability to change his language, if you will, with whoever the audience might be. So Miss Lane taught me very early that there will be three languages you need to master. This is well before I even became a language translator. She said, there is the language of your friends. You can talk any way you want with your friends. You can split and dangle participles, heavey, weavey, sheavey. You can use any language, slang you want with your friends, right? That's fine. There is the language of respect. If someone has earned it, you give them respect and you speak with them that way, but they have to earn it. She said, but the most difficult and most challenging language that you will have to master is the language of the world where you are confident no matter what the setting, right? And you are comfortable no matter what the setting. And you can be in those rooms and you can be in those places with confidence and comfort that you know how to speak and deal with those people. She said, that's the one I want you to master. Hmm. That's the one that will open the world to you. So most people master their friend language few people get to language of of friendship and respect very few people get to the language of the world where they have a mastery where they are confident and comfortable in any setting that's what those students you're talking to need to pursue Hmm. is that level of confidence and comfort no matter what the setting i got this i can handle this what would you say I'm loving this, Kevin. What would you say to the student who says, hey, you know, look around. Um, The world is in disarray. Um, Leadership seems to be at an all-time low. For people out there who are disenchanted, disengaged, how do you get them back on track? So, you know, 
there's lots of little anecdotes and things that I use to to keep myself grounded. But you know, I I truly believe you got to do your part. Hmm. You got to do your part to advance the human condition in a positive way. So there's this, you know, one thing I'll say to myself, you know, my actions may seem small, but their collective impact will be great. So I'm going to do my part every day, my little part. And over time, cumulatively, it's going to have an impact, hmm. right? And, and, you know, there's that whole idea of stop looking to be inspired and be inspirational yourself. Woo, hold on, hold on, pause, pause. Run that back one more time. Stop looking to be inspired. Hmm. Be inspirational hmm. yourself. Wow. Somebody's looking up to you. Those students that you have in your class, someone's looking up to you. Someone sees you as already being successful. You might think, I haven't arrived, but to someone who's looking at you like, wow, you're in college. That's really impressive. Someone's modeling you. Are you putting the best image model out there, or could you raise your game? Hmm. That's a choice every day, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Am I doing my level best? Am I doing my level best? Did I do my level best today? Or did I cheat it? Mm. Did I cheat it a little bit? That's a that's a thing you can that's a go or no go. It's a pass or fail at the end of every day. <laughs> and you should grade yourself every day. Hey tribe, you just heard from Kevin Carroll. We will be back next week with part two of this conversation. And I've just gotta say thanks. Thanks because you've just listened to the 50th episode of a tribe called Yes. Thank you for being a loyal listener. Keep sharing the podcast with friends and keep waging war against the status quo.